Hello, Notre Dame fans. The Fighting Irish football team now knows their opponent. It will be Oklahoma State in the Fiesta Bowl to kick off the 2022 calendar year. I'm Greg Lackey, joined by Patrick Engel and Tyler Horka. Guys, uh, Patrick, I'll start with you. Just your general thoughts on, on this matchup. We'll talk about a test for Notre Dame's revamped, revised, uh, re-energized offense that we saw really since that Cincinnati game. Nothing to take away from that from Notre Dame whatsoever, but yes, a, a footnote in that being that most of those games came against teams in the lower half, if not lower third of yards per game, points per game, yards per play uh, rankings. Oklahoma State, absolutely not that, and certainly a test for the offensive line. The Cowboys lead the country in sacks with 54. We've seen that offensive line really grow in that time. This is kind of a good test uh, really to see, you know, how much of all of this, uh, you know, progress that we've seen in the last couple of months really to go up against an elite defense here. So in, in terms of what does this look like uh, for Marcus Freeman and all of that debut and, and all the storylines there, really interested to see how Tommy Reese and the Notre Dame offense looks in this after a month to prepare for this really good defense that Oklahoma State has. Tyler, you grew up in Texas. You're real familiar with Big 12 football. What should Notre Dame fans expect out of this matchup? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. This will actually be the second time that I see Oklahoma State in person this year. Notre <laughs> Dame bye week, whenever that was, I think it was mid-October, I went down to Austin to watch Oklahoma State play Texas. And Texas actually jumped out to an early uh, advantage, leading at halftime. But then Oklahoma State kind of put the clamps down defensively in the second half. Uh, B. John Robinson was totally healthy for Texas then. I think a lot of Notre Dame fans a lot of college football fans know who B. John Robinson is. He didn't do anything in the second half of that game because mm -hmm. Oklahoma State was so, de you know, stout defensively. So number three overall defense in the country, Oklahoma State. And it's kind of funny. You think offense, offense, offense with uh, Big 12 teams. But with, I know a lot of Notre Dame fans watched that game against Baylor yesterday. Oklahoma State looked terrible offensively. They're probably in this game because Spencer Sanders threw three interceptions. But mm -hmm. that defense, man, it really kept Oklahoma State in the game. And um, inches away from making the college football playoff, perhaps, uh, you know, there would have been a debate there for Cincinnati or Oklahoma State. But uh, just a really stout, stout defensive team. And I think another stat to, to think about if you're Notre Dame is Mike Gundy is 10 and 5 in bowl games. And we think about Notre Dame in big bowl games, you know, since the Lou Holtz era. Not a lot of big victories for Notre Dame, especially in New Year's Day games. And, and Mike Gundy is kind of a big game type of coach. So uh, Marcus Freeman coaching in his first game ever as a college football head coach. He's going against a guy that has a lot of experience. So that's a pretty fun matchup. Uh, everywhere I look on Oklahoma State in terms of their their best players or leaders, they're super veteran. Uh, there's a lot of seniors, except to Patrick's point about them leading the nation in sacks. They have a freshman defensive end. Colin Oliver that ranks 12th in the nation, but, but overall still a super veteran team. Um, I know you guys got a chance to watch the much of America got the chance to watch them play Baylor yesterday. Um, your takeaways just, I mean, it, when I was watching the game, I was kind of wondering if we were watching two elite teams or just two pretty good teams. Uh, Patrick, I'll just throw that out to you and have you uh, respond to that. I don't know that I'd go elite really for either one of those. I, I think that that line of demarcation probably stops at the top four. And even if you want to say not even all the top four elite, you know, go ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, that won't be the case I make. But no, I, I think that was a game between two of the five, six teams, however I many you want to put in there as best of the rest. But mm -hmm. to your point, Greg, 
both of those teams, but uh, in particular Oklahoma State uh, being on the losing end of it, uh, you were able to see some of the flaws there. Certainly the uh, offense for Oklahoma State and quarterback Spencer Sanders uh, being the part that's not quite as consistent as you might think of when you think of Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy offenses. Sanders, he's an experienced QB, uh, uh, academic senior, been in the program for a while, but still, you know, as a senior here, kind of plaguing or plagued by some inconsistency that's kind of been with him his entire career. Uh, certainly that on display in a not great way for Oklahoma State. Uh, a fun fact, I actually saw him play in high school uh, in Dallas when he was a junior and he torched a, a really, really good uh, suburban Dallas high school team, uh, also where Sanders is from. So, and if you saw him that game or, or that year, you'd probably think his college career would have gone a, a little bit better uh, maybe than it has a former big time, you know, top 200, I believe it was, uh, recruit for them. It was a big get at the time. And then also worth noting, you know, Oklahoma State didn't have its best running back, uh, Jalen Warren. He's a grad transfer from Utah State who uh, ran for over 1,100 yards this year. He was out in the Big 12 title game. But uh, a, a big part of their offense, even if he's not the fastest running back, more of a, you know, kind of a power guy who's really tough to bring down, uh, a little bit like, uh, you know, Kyron Williams, in, in just in the sense that, like, hard to tackle, even though their yeah. games are, are very different uh, in and of themselves. So uh, yeah. I guess worth noting that uh, in far, as far as evaluating Oklahoma State's offense yesterday. Yeah, I, I have their stats pulled up, and, and if, for Notre Dame fans that can see it, he, Jalen Warren's list is 13 games played. That's just because he was dressed yesterday, uh, as Patrick said. Um, he, he, he didn't play, and that, that hurt them. But he still has 1,134 1, yards rushing on the year, so uh, a, a very productive player for them. Tyler, what'd you think? Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Spencer Sanders. He, he, he had obviously had some issues with turnovers yesterday. Uh, his touchdown interception ratio looks like one you would see back in the seventies, 16 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. That's, that's too many of the latter there. Uh, what do you think about him as a player uh, for the, for the Cowboys? Yeah, I would say the one thing that kind of makes you worry if you're Notre Dame is that this is the kind of quarterback who's probably going to lay it every, you know, lay everything on the line in a game like this. You get some of these big bowl games, and you know, quarterbacks are are thinking about the NFL, and I don't think Spencer Sanders is particularly one of those guys. He wants mm-hmm. to, you know, do everything he can for Oklahoma State in this game and, and kind of shine on this stage because, you know, let's be honest, if you're Spencer Sanders, there probably really isn't an NFL future for him beyond this. So he wants to beat Notre Dame. I think, uh, and, and if you're you know, looking at this from an Oklahoma State perspective, I've already seen a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, this isn't the college football playoff for Notre Dame. You know, it was college football playoff for bus for Notre Dame because that's what it is every year. For Oklahoma State, you know, they, they were inches away from the college football playoff in a year that nobody really thought they'd probably make the college football playoff. You know, for the Big 12, it's Oklahoma and and that's it. So Spencer Sanders, the rest of this Oklahoma State team, they're going to look at this opportunity to, you know, beat one of the best college football programs in the country. You know, Notre Dame's ranked number five in the nation. That is the top, top, you know, tier on the outside looking in. So I think from a motivational standpoint, Spencer Sanders will be all there. No, he's not the most talented quarterback in the country. And those numbers that you just showed reflect that. But I talked about Mike Gundy winning a lot of big games. Um, You know, he's had guys like Spencer Sanders in the past, not the most talented quarterbacks, but guys who want to go in on a national stage on New Year's Day and beat a program like Notre Dame. And I think Spencer Sanders will be up to that task from, from a, you know, where his head is at standpoint, um, you know, Spencer Sanders will be all there, but 
it'll really be up to the Notre Dame defense to kind of make sure he doesn't have one of those days where you look back and you're saying, look what Spencer Sanders did against a bunch of Big 12 defenses. How did he do this to us? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame does defensively against him. And he led the comeback against Oklahoma. I mean, I know yesterday didn't go so hot for him, but he he also had a great, like, third, I think a 37-yard touchdown run that game. He's faster then uh, he, when he gets going, he can really move. He kind of looks like a more stout quarterback, but uh, it's something that Notre Dame's defense is going to have to worry about. Um, hit like on this video, please. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, when you visit blueandgold.com, make sure you seek out our free newsletter. Sign up for that. It's a great way we keep you posted on any breaking news and, and what's going on in the world of recruiting as well. Guys, I'll, I'll throw another question to you. Do you think there was any argument Notre Dame really had about being in the top four, Patrick? No, uh, I think it was pretty clear cut really for, I think the third year in a row where you came into this selection Sunday mm-hmm. thinking you've got a almost 99.9% idea of who the four teams are going to be. And no, Notre Dame still ended this uh, with zero top 25 wins. I, I believe unless Purdue sne- or Wisconsin sneaked into the final rankings. Uh, I will have the crack staff get on that here uh, and confirm, but it would have been hard to, with only one loss in front of them when they needed to, hard for Notre Dame to move up a spot on its own when it didn't play. And I don't say that to say that, like, you know, join the conference, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if Notre Dame had beaten Pitt or Wake Forest, I think it would have been in the same spot because Cincinnati's still unbeaten. Cincinnati still had the head-to-head, and that's where you're talking about bumping from that number four spot. But, yeah, it would have been pretty hard to – make a case here for yeah. Notre Dame to somehow shove out a team with one, an unblemished record, one fewer loss that it lost to. And when we heard it on the ESPN telecast before they announced the top four on Sunday morning, that uh, the reporter that ESPN had there had said like reality is kind of starting to set it and they're yeah. thinking about the six. Yeah. Tyler, you, you agree? I mean, any argument for Notre Dame, in the top four really? Well, when you're looking at the you know top five, number four is a team that beat Notre Dame yeah. at Notre Dame Stadium by 11 points, and then number five you have Notre Dame. So, uh, but I think Patrick mentioned it earlier that the the fall off from elite to what all of these other teams are is, is pretty drastic. From uh, you know Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, those teams are probably all in the same tier. You have one, two, three right there, mm-hmm. and then you have like Cincinnati's, you have Notre Dame's. Ohio State has two losses, but, you know, before the Michigan loss, they were right there. So, no, I don't think there was much of an argument. And Patrick talked about the the top 25 lack thereof wins for Notre Dame. Uh, that, that was pretty huge. And that's something they can't control, which is right. a little frustrating if you're a Notre Dame fan or if you're a Notre Dame player or coach, especially. Uh, you re- remember when we went into the season, guys, and we looked at all those teams and we were like, man, uh, USC is going to be a really tough game. Look yeah. at North Carolina with Sam Howell and uh, Wisconsin, obviously. Um was going to be a tough game. And then you go out of the, you know, here we are right now and, and we're, you know, about to begin bowl season and uh, Wisconsin is Notre Dame's best victory and they're not even ranked and, and Purdue's probably Notre Dame's second best victory and they're not even ranked either. The, the crack staff got on that, Patrick, neither of those teams got in, into the final rankings. So uh, it, there's just not a lot of case there. And, you know, I, last night, uh, I saw some chatter between uh, some people on on the message board and even on Twitter saying, well, what did Georgia really do to really deserve this? And obviously they passed the eye test all year long. Yeah. But then I started looking at the top 25 wins that they have and, you know, they're there. So um, it's just, you know, Alabama has a bunch of top 25 wins. The, the, the difference in 
Patrick, you mentioned that, you know, ACC, what if Notre Dame was in there and, and beat some of these teams? I'm thinking it, it could have been a little bit different potentially, but then you're still having that debate, you know, is, is a one loss Notre Dame, you know, hypothetically, if Notre Dame loses one game in the ACC and, and wins that conference championship, is that resume still better than undefeated Cincinnati's? Uh, I think Oklahoma State was in, in, you know, in that same vein. If they would have won that game yesterday and would have been a one-loss Big 12 champion, do they get in over Cincinnati? I don't think so. Does a one-loss ACC champion get in over Cincinnati if there was one? I don't think so. So Notre Dame is number five, and you know that that's kind of what the reality is, and, and I think it makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if uh, any team in, in an individual game looked better than Georgia did in their game against Arkansas this year. I mean, if you just step back and yep. try to remember how dominant they looked, I mean, they looked like the number one team in the country. So um, what do you guys think about this question? I mean, uh, I, I don't know if there's any early numbers or if you guys have seen anything, but what do you think the point spread is going to be for the Fiesta Bowl? Patrick? I think Notre Dame will be favored. <laughs> I would put it at oh, minus – Minus five. Okay. Tyler? Maybe, maybe that feels a little generous for Notre Dame, but I, I think they will be favored. Yeah, I feel like the we should get the crack staff on this one too because I, I feel like these lines come out instantly. They come out before it's even official. They say, hey, Notre Dame is probably going to play Oklahoma State. Here's a line. Yeah, let me look it up. I would go Notre Dame by maybe less than five. I'd say around a field goal. I wouldn't be surprised if this was like a – two to three point spread. Uh, I can't see Oklahoma State being favored just based on the way they looked against Baylor. You know, you talk about the eye test, that offense looked terrible. And I mean, I guess that goes beyond the eye test. You know, the the numbers back it up too, that Oklahoma State couldn't do much in that game. So I'd say Notre Dame by about a field goal. We we have a number yet? No, in fact, uh, it's a little hard for me to type on this. I'm on Odd Shark. I'm going through some things right now. I I, I don't see anything, but I was going to say Notre Dame by three. Um, yeah. I, I agree with that in a, in a low scoring game, Notre Dame interesting. This is, you know, when you don't make the playoff, uh, one of the things I think is always an issue for a team is how do you get motivated? I think these other bowl games always come down to who most wants to be there. And yep. for Notre Dame, just a, a note on history, this is a chance for them to be just the fifth Notre Dame team to win 12 games in a season, uh, in the school's history. Uh, they won 12 in 2018, they won 12 in 2012, and then they did it in back-to-back years in 1988 and 89. Were either of you alive in 88 and 89? Nope. Oh. Nope. <laughs> those, were, th- those were the days where I was falling in love with Notre Dame with Notre Dame football as a young man, uh, and, and those 88 and 89, 89 teams were, were pretty awesome. Um, but let's, I want to bring P- – Pat, you – you alluded to it, but is there a price of independence here? That was a that was a topic brought up on our forum. I want to just talk a little bit more about that. It maybe is over over talked about, but you know, it, it, would this sway anyone at Notre Dame? Just how this all unfolded that that you know maybe maybe the conference thing is hurting us or not being in a conference. What do you think? To answer the sway question, no, I, I'd be shocked to learn if that were the case at all, and. Sure, maybe you might have a little bit more comfort in playing today if you're a Notre Dame fan, just thinking you have some control over it to add to your resume, which, no, Notre Dame didn't. But still, it's if Notre Dame had a game this week, again, just say for the sake of the conversation, you put it in the ACC championship game, it's still ranked heading into it exactly where it would have been at, at number six. 
and still probably needing some help uh, and a a loss or two uh, ahead of it, uh, which it didn't get to. So again, if if you gave it a win over Wake Forest or Pitt, I think it's still exactly in the same spot where it is now. And I I know it didn't end up uh, mattering in hindsight considering Alabama won, but I guess you can look at it the other way too, where if you're Oklahoma, yeah, you had a, or sorry, if you're Oklahoma State, you had a great chance to add to your resume by playing a top 10 team, but then you lost it and you took yourself out. And obviously it didn't end up mattering because Alabama won, but Oklahoma State doesn't know that at the time they're walking off the field. They're leaving that thinking, all right, we're toast. That's that's the downside of it too. There, there, there's ups and downs and risks and rewards here. And obviously the hypothetical, if they had a game this weekend, kind of goes deeper than just give them a win over Wake Forest because then you have to give them an ACC schedule and, you know, a, that shapes up the non-conference differently. So who knows what the uh, the resume and the, the record and all that uh, would have been. Maybe the 12-0 against this weak ACC schedule. Who knows? There's a lot more nuance to that hypothetical than uh, just what if they played uh, this weekend. But no, uh, I, I don't think this is you know panic mode in terms of independence for, for Notre Dame here. That's that's just not, not going to be it, especially – not with 12-team playoffs still on the table, and that's fuel for independence. Yeah, I agree with that. If this was – well, Tyler, what do you think? I mean, I think if the playoff was two or four, then then maybe start thinking about it, but I, I don't know. Yeah, interested in your perspective just because you, you, ha- you haven't been around Notre Dame long. Yeah, the independent thing, independence, uh, it's kind of new to me for sure, and it's mm-hmm. – you know, you see all these teams playing on conference championship Saturday, and then – you know, I hold Notre Dame in very high regard in terms of elite programs in the country. And it's just weird that Notre Dame is not playing on a day where, uh, you know, all of the elite teams across the sport are usually playing. But uh, I think one thing that being in a conference might do for Notre Dame is, you know, it affords the the chance to be a one-loss team and still feel comfortable in making a four-team college, play, college football playoff because – if you go back to October when Notre Dame lost that game against Cincinnati, I think everybody was like, well, that's it. Like, we don't we don't have a chance. And I think North Carolina might have still even been ranked at the time, and there was an opportunity for another ranked win. So, and it still felt that way for Notre Dame. But, um, you know, you look at some of these other teams that have one loss, and the conference uh, championship games were chances for them to, to play their way in or, you know, play their way out. Alabama, I know it was already ranked in the top four, but that's a game it has to win or else it's out and it won. And, you know, now it's a number, you know, a one-loss team ranked number one in the nation. So, um, you know, obviously the schedule would have been a lot different. Notre Dame, like Patrick said, might have had a chance to have ranked victories over Wake Forest or, or even Clemson or, or Pitt if it were in the ACC. And um, I think you can probably lose one of those games, win all the rest, finish 12-1, and one, and feel better – about where you are if you're an 11 and one independent Notre Dame. So uh-huh. there, there's pros for it. Um, there's cons, obviously. Um, the, the pro is if Notre Dame holds serve, you know, holds court and beats Cincinnati on October 2nd, it's 12 and 0 and it's in for sure. And it doesn't even have to worry about losing a conference championship game. So, you know, that's the plus side to independence right there. Take care of business, go 12 and 0 and you're in the playoff. But I just feel like that's a little bit too much to ask for, for anybody. You, you go look at Alabama's, um, you know, the, the rundown of wins and losses during uh, Nick Saban's tenure. I think it's only been a couple of times. He's won the national championship six times. 
Only two of those times, I think, Alabama ran the table and, and finished an undefeated season. So mm-hmm. college football teams lose games. You know, Notre Dame's going to, you know, have a game like Cincinnati where it showed up and, you know, just Cincinnati was the better team and it lost. And still that's 11-1 yeah. and one and you're on the outside looking in. So uh, that that's what being in a conference does is it affords you a chance to, to lose a game, still play your way into the playoff. So this is the Odd Shark page I referenced earlier, and they're, they aggregate different um, – different betting lines and they don't have anything for Notre Dame and Oklahoma state. You see they're pretty much filled in for the games uh, that we, uh, that, that are the day before interesting that uh, it looks like Alabama is going to be a two touchdown favorite. And then um, Georgia's opening as a little bit more than a touchdown uh, in that game. But yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens there. Um, Jez, I want to ask you maybe, a, maybe kind of lighthearted question. You, you were both planning on going out to Phoenix uh, to cover the game uh, will be in Glendale. So those Notre Dame fans have got visions of the national championship in 88 and the Fiesta Bowl. It's at a different place now. It's not in Tempe or at Arizona State Stadium anymore. But uh, tell us a little bit, just give us a little insight on the process of what you guys do out there. I mean, when do you get in? What's game day like? Uh, and then, uh, you know, it's going to sound like we're whining, but I know after the game, it's a lot of work. Patrick. Yeah. So we, we got the media schedule for the Fiesta Bowl mm-hmm. uh, first in-person availability is December 28th, which we would plan to be there for. Uh, that includes actually watching a little bit of practice, uh, being able to film some things. So, you know, we'll be able to bring that to you guys. And one of the things that I think I, I like about that is now all of a sudden, like, you know, we really haven't gotten to see Marcus Freeman up close and in yeah. action, say for a couple of full August training camp practices. And, and maybe then he's not quite as high on your, like, not that you weren't watching him, but maybe wouldn't have been like number one on like things to observe from a, a practice in preseason training camp. You're looking at freshmen and new starters and quarterbacks and, and all this other stuff. But, you know, here, here's a chance to like to see Freeman like right away early on in his element as a head coach and just really seeing how he operates around practice. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to kind of to watching that, even if it's only in a 15 minute snippet uh, that we get there. And yeah, uh, there'll be in-person things uh, available all week uh, until the day before the game. So looking, looking forward to that. And Hey, it's, it's a South Bend to Scottsdale and all the, the nice weather there in, in December and January. So yeah. uh, I can't complain about that one bit, no matter how much work is involved. I'm happy for you guys on that. Tal, have you ever covered a bowl game? Uh, I know you cover Mississippi state in your past and, and, and from Texas, have you ever as a media person been to a big bowl game? A uh, big bowl game. That's, that's the word. That's the difference. Uh, never been to a, a big one. The biggest one I've covered was probably the music city bowl uh, mississippi state played um a decent louisville team um 2019 season uh last year <clears throat> went to the armed forces bowl and it was about 35 degrees outside and icy and snowy in dallas you know fort worth texas so be careful what you wish for on the weather thing we'll, we'll go down yeah. to scottsdale arizona or glendale arizona and it'll be you know 45 degrees out of nowhere knowing my luck but now, this will definitely be the biggest bowl game that I've covered. Um, New Year's Six, uh, I'm really excited for it because uh, don't don't get a lot of that when you're covering Mississippi State. I, I had a <laughs> I had a great time covering Mississippi State, but you know they didn't qualify for anything like this while I was down there. It was the it will be the first uh, opportunity for Notre Dame to win a major bowl game uh, since the Cotton Bowl uh, following the 1993 season. It actually won the Cotton Bowl two years in a row at that point against Texas A&M. It was a rematch. Um, so it'll be, again, another another thing for this Notre Dame team, despite not making the playoffs, 
a chance to do something that, that the program needs, and, and it's going to be a historical thing for the program if they can come through with the victory. We had a couple questions uh, come through, guys, and, and then we'll wrap this up. But uh, one, the subject of do you think Kyle Hamilton will play? And then I'll also, I think someone referenced it, um, Tyler Buckner, do you, do you think he should play more uh, just to kind of get him ready because Columbus, Ohio is right around the corner? Patrick, you can have the first take at it. On Hamilton, I mean, usually just going on recent trends, we don't see some of these early first round draft declarations playing these games, especially if there's been you know, injuries like his. We'll see. I don't want to say anything convincingly there yet, but. Uh, as far as injury timeline, uh, yes, the expectation would be that he'd be healthy by then. But uh, as far as will he play, uh, I don't want to say anything definitively there yet. And as far as Buckner, uh, I think he should play because I think he can help them win this game. Uh, for, you know, Forget about Columbus next Labor Day weekend for a moment. Yeah, that's an important uh, little offshoot of this, but... I think you're going to want him to give another, a really good defense another look. We've obviously seen him for most of this season. It's not like Oklahoma State's not going to watch his film. But in the last month, we've mainly seen this beat Jack Cohn's offense mm-hmm. where Buck maybe gets a couple of snaps in the first half or first three quarters and then goes in in, in garbage time. So I, I think he should play because Notre Dame's going to need him to keep him off balance, put in that quarterback run game, and, and add another wrinkle. Tyler, your thoughts on Hamilton and Buckner? Yeah, on Hamilton, I'll say this. It'll be really interesting if he plays because I think that says a lot about Marcus Freeman and wanting to play for Marcus Freeman one final time You know, in his first game as head coach. So that'll be very telling. Mm-hmm. I don't think he will play, though. I think he'll just be another big part on the sideline like he's been. Um, so well, that's what I look for on that standpoint. As far as, far as Buckner goes, I agree with Patrick in that he's going to play because he's been a part of the game plan since – you know, week two against Toledo. Uh, I don't think they're going to ramp him up anymore, uh, you know, just to get ready for next season. I think the reps that he's gotten this year, um, you know, we see redshirt freshmen. If, you know, I guess obviously he won't be a redshirt freshman, but we, we've seen, you know, second year players uh, come in and, and start and look like they've been there for a long time. And with the reps that he's gotten, I don't really fear uh, the moment will be too big for him at the shoe in Columbus. So he's going to play to help the team win not to, you know, get reps looking forward to next year. Drew, you made the final great point of this show. Before we wrap it up, Lance Taylor indeed was a big keep, and, and Marcus Freeman off to a really good start in terms of retaining the staff, and I think that's got a lot of the players really excited. Patrick Engel, Tyler Horka, thank you so much for your time. We're going to wrap this up. Please hit like on this video, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, of course, we've got uh, about four weeks of uh, – not quite four weeks uh, – of – coverage just leading up to the game so stick tuned or stay tuned to blueandgold.com as we learn more and more about oklahoma state see you guys